guys, Princess here, and this is yet another episode. I believe it's episode 17 of Buy Pumpkin. Um, I just came back from my kids' Black History Month program where they honored, they started off honoring Afro-Latinos, um, like Kit Cuddy <laughs> and Tatiana Ali, <laughs> you know, from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and <laughs> Christina Milian. Um who I would be shocked if the five-year-old to go to that school knew who the fuck Christina Milian is. If they know that she has a baby with the dream, a daughter with the dream, and there's another R&B singer named Nivea who has a baby with the dream and Lil Wayne, and that then Christina Milian started dating Lil Wayne and everyone was terrified she was going to get pregnant and all of her kids would be, all the kids would be related in all these cross, <laughs> crossing ways. <laughs> no, I did not stand up at the um, program and announce this. She's known for doing the hardest baby mama math in the world, but it was good. Um, my kids... Two of my nine-year-olds were in it, and one of my one of my nine-year-olds is a foster, and he was just really excited for me to come there and see him, and he was like thrilled that when he saw me show up, and his teacher came over to tell me how well he's doing, and he's doing well. But um, she said he does a com uh, comedy act in the classroom and at tutoring, so she thinks that tutoring's gonna end. I said, okay. But my other nine-year-old is my oldest adoptive son, and I don't know if I told you guys this, but... I think I did tell you, but you know what? Who am I if I'm not retelling fucking stories over and over again, you know? So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, at the Chris, he was supposed to be in a Christmas, uh, play. Um, he's a nervous little guy. He doesn't, he's not a talker. He hides behind things. I asked him, was he going to be in the Christmas play? Was this, is this okay? And he said, yes. And what he needed to do is he needed to come out onto the stage and hold a big sign that said something like, I don't know. It was like a, a rodeo Santa thing. I'm in Texas. You know, everything's gotta be a fucking rodeo. So he had to hold a sign. That's all he had to do and then go back. Okay? Like, he was gonna hold the sign and, you know, on either side of the stage, like, with any, with any, like, elementary school production, there are, like, risers where the people are singing the chorus and then the stage is in the middle. So he was gonna come out of the stage, uh, of the curtains, Hold that. The people on the stage, on the risers, were going to say whatever's on his thing. And then he was going to go back. So it comes time for him to come out. And I look. And I see his little head peek out. I say, oh, oh, here comes my baby. And he doesn't show up. And then I see his feet. Because there's an adult pushing him onto the stage. But he's got his feet out like he's like keeping himself from going like like he's dug his heels in. Literally, it looks like he dug his heels in. And still, my baby's not coming out. And, I come, and then suddenly, I see an adult carrying another child onto the middle of the stage and planting them in the middle of the stage. They run back, they grab a sign, it's my, my son's sign, and they hand it to the child. And then the show goes on. And then suddenly, and then like a second later, I see my kid come from behind the curtain and go stand on the risers where all the people who sing the chorus are. And I gave him a little like, I mimed like, what happened? I kind of like did a, put my hands up like, what happened? And he just shook his head, like just a, a quick little shake, like didn't work out. And 
I reminded him that when he told me it was in the Black History uh, program. And he said, ugh, I don't want to think about it. So I get there, and he's a featured player. Which means he needs to dress, he's, he's like, they have an Obama, they have um, a Misty Copeland, they have a Kobe Bryant. Don't get me started on Kobe Bryant. But they got a Kobe Bryant there. They got, like, all these black, um, notable black people in current um, events in history. And people are dressed up like that. Like the person that's Misty Copeland is dressed in like a, a, um, like a tutu and um, ballerina's shoes. And the person that is Obama is in a nice little suit. And he's got bigger, he, his parents put like bigger ears on him. Like people have dressed, okay? And they've got a sash that they made themselves that says what they are. And they walking, they're walking through the audience and people are ooing and aahing them while they're playing music. And then I see my son, who I didn't know was a featured player because he never fucking told me he was. And when Sasha says, W-E-B Dubois. Now, I don't know if people, some people call him Du Bois, but I have always said Dubois. And my son is playing Dr. Dubois in a blue hoodie and khakis. By the way, it's also free dress day, which means you can wear whatever you want. You don't have to wear your uniform. And anytime my son, you tell this particular son that it's free dress day, you know what he wears? His uniform. He says he feels more comfortable in his uniform. But today he told me he was going to wear a different shirt. And I was like, oh, okay, he's jazzing it up. <laughs> he's jazzing it up. He's wearing a different shirt. But you can't see it because it's under his hoodie, which we've talked about. Because ever since the day I got him as a foster kid, when you take him to school, he will wear his coat all day long, everywhere. He does not take his coat off for anything. So if he's wearing a down coat, which why would you in Texas, but you know, like one of those puffer things, and it's, and it's PE, that's what he's wearing. He, don't ask him to take off his jacket. I have to get him lighter and lighter jackets so he can actually wear them in the classroom. Don't ask him to take off his jacket. Him in just a shirt makes him feel uncomfortable at school. So he's not dressed correctly. Great. Then he, um, he, it's time for them to sing and they're singing We Shall Overcome to a bounce beat. <laughs> and he's got his hands over his face. Eventually he took his hands off. I mean, there's choreography. He wasn't doing it. <laughs> he was just looking. <laughs> I think he moved his shoulder one time. One of the praise dancers up front dance. I'm grateful. So... That's what I was doing today. Um, and I'm in a pretty good mood because it was so funny. I'm going skating with my kids later. And I'm going to take them to Texas Roadhouse so we can get a lot of warm rolls with cinnamon, sugar, butter. And the, the, the kids' meals are pretty cheap. And then we're going to go skating because one of my foster kids is um, transitioning home next week or the week after. I'm not really sure. And she loves to skate. And this will be the last time we'll probably have time to go skating. That's what we're going to do. So, um, yeah, I'm in a pretty good mood. It was very funny. Um, guys, if you're a bonus, um, if you're a Patreon supporter, you get bonus episodes. And this week, I did a bonus episode where I basically just did, like, a diary entry. I just talked about what had happened this week. And a lot of shit happened this week. And... Some there's some stuff going down, and I just want to talk about it. I spent like an hour talking about those things. So if you missed when I used to riff at for like 20 minutes at the top of a spelling tea episode, 
that that's where you go. It's a dollar a month. It's patreon.com backslash buy bumpkin. Um, when I posted the episode yesterday, I got like, I got almost 10 new, uh, supporters and lots of people give me feedback on it. They really liked hearing about it. So go over there, go listen to that. It's up there. I'm also doing a bonus episode on a Kel on earth episode. So that should be here. I don't want to lie. I'm going to AWP next week. So I don't know if I'm going to do Kel on earth next week, but if it's not next week, it's going to be a week after that. So that's going to be up pretty soon. I'm going to do a princess fix my life episode where I just steal advice questions from around Twitter and the internet and I give them my own advice. Um, so there's good shit over there and it's only a buck a month. And if you can help with the Patreon, that means you can help me keep the lights on around here. And it means I can continue to do this podcast because I will not be paying out of pocket for some of the things I have to pay for. And if you can't do that, understandable, leave me a five-star review. Tell other people why you're listening to this Weird little podcast. Please do, okay? Um, I think that's it. Is there anything, is there any other show business I need to tell you guys? Um, next week, I might have, you, you might get a delay in the episode. I'm gonna work really hard to make sure that doesn't happen because like I said, when, my favorite podcast, not that I think I'm your favorite podcast, but maybe I am. When my favorite podcast is um, is like on hiatus for some reason or isn't doesn't do their regular schedule, I'm always pissed off about it. Even, <laughs> I hate when my schedule's interrupted at all. Much like my child who wants to wear his uniform just because he's used to wearing his uniform. Uh, I hate when my schedule's disrupted at all. I remember... Who got pregnant and fucked up a season of um, a show for me? I don't remember what it was, but I remember like viciously uh, tweeting, get pregnant on your own time. <laughs> I'm like, bitch, why are you pregnant? We want to see the end of this season. And I can't remember the name of the show, but I was pissed. You know what? It's probably Bones. <laughs> and just like thinking about the fact that at one time I was so ready for, I was so ready for a Bones episode, a Bones episode, princess, a Bones episode. I was so ready for a Bones episode that I was, that I was, I was mad enough to tweet about it, but not mad enough to, to at anybody, obviously, I don't do that, but still, like, casting aspersions on Emily Deschanel's, uh, family planning. I was pissed. <laughs> so I, I like, I understand like when you're looking for something forward to something when you don't get it. So even though I am going to AWP, which is, I don't know, what does it stand for? It's a writer's, it's a writer's uh, conference and it's in San Antonio. It's really close. And like, I've been meaning to go to more of them and I need to go to this and I've already paid for it and I've already got my hotel room and I can already feel myself self-sabotaging like, trying to come up with a reason why I can't go, like a stupid person. And, but that's just, that's who I am. Like, I never want to go anywhere that I plan to go when it's time to actually go. So as we get closer and closer and closer, like once, actually, when I went to Paris by myself, <laughs> I had to go through New York. I had moved to Austin after I bought the flight. And um, 
I had to go through New York and I remember like the day I had to leave for Paris, I was just like, I don't want to go to Paris. <laughs> I don't want to. And I remember my husband driving me to the airport and I'm just sitting in the, in the, like the passenger seat. And I was like, I hope there's a bomb threat. And he was like, you need to calm down. You need to fucking calm down right now because princess, don't even say bomb in the airport. And I was like, I'm not going to say bomb in the airport. And he's like, I'm just saying you over here act talking real reckless on the way to the airport and your ass is going to jail. <laughs> he's like, brown people don't make it out. <laughs> and I just, I was just, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. But once I got there, I was like, oh shit. I can't believe I almost missed this. I do this every time. If you follow me on um, Instagram, okay, then princess, um, I recently moderated a panel at the Texas Writers, uh, the Texas Book Festival. Loved it. I want to tell you the day of it, I when I was getting up, I was just like, oh, girl, you're sick. You can't go. Like, I really, driving to the Capitol, I was like, I do not, I can't do this. I can't go here. <laughs> and so, like, I'm already thinking of reasons not to go, and I can totally see my husband, like, giving me the one rock eyebrow as I tell him I can't, I can't go to this conference where, in which I've lined up. He's taking time off cause he's, he, he can't work nights if he's the only person here and like made all the arrangements and made sure everything's the way it's supposed to be. And then I'm like, well, don't worry. I'm not going to go because you know, I got to record my podcast. <laughs> I can totally see him giving me the rock eyebrow. So I'm definitely going, but I'm going to try to record early next week or Fuck, maybe I record from the hotel room. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, so um, that's it. Guys, make sure you're following me at Buy Pumpkin Podcast on Instagram. DM me. I'm getting better at my DMs. I, I answered everyone who DM'd me last week. Um, I post things there. Um, you can also follow me at okay Then Princess on Instagram and Twitter. If you follow me on Instagram, you're going to see pictures from AWP. You're also going to see... Um, pictures of a fern. I just bought a Boston fern, which I named Donnie Wahlberg because I'm scared of that other one. And um, somebody was like, how can you be scared of Marky Mark? Babe, he doesn't like it when you call him Marky Mark. And he doesn't have a problem committing a hate crime, okay? He's a scary person. He's very Catholic, commits hate crimes, and he's a white man from Boston. The scariest person on earth is a white man from Boston. They... I don't care. Like, you guys know I'm scared of 50 Cent. You know I'm scared of 50 Cent. He don't follow the fucking rules. You know I'm scared of nuns. I think nuns are hiding stuff underneath those dresses. Why are they dressed like that? All head to toe. They can have guns, bombs, uh, bed bugs. They can have anything in there. And they just, it's too much. And I don't trust somebody who wants to marry Jesus. I just don't. So I'm scared of nuns too. But Mark Wahlberg, and I'm not going to call him Marky Mark because I don't want him here. I think if you say Marky Mark... Three times in a in a dark room, he shows up and beats you up and calls you the N-word. That's what I think happens. So I'm just saying, and then he pulls down his pants and shows you his underwear. But I'm just saying, I don't fuck with that dude. I don't mess with him and don't tell him I was talking about him, okay? Please. Well, I was talking about the fern. Ah, I, I reminded myself. I was talking about the fern. So I bought a fern. It's probably going to die pretty soon. So look at the picture on the internet because on Instagram because the next picture I post is going to be all shriveled up in, in a tomb so yeah all right let's get let's i gotta i gotta take these fucking kids skating let, let's talk about let's let's do the episode so we're doing season 
one of Breaking Bonaducci, obviously, episode six. It's called Leaving Los Angeles. Guys, are you shocked that the episodes are still up on Google Drive? I am. I thought they were like real quick about these things. I thought they'd be, I thought they were like, you know, mm, I don't know. I just thought they were, I thought, I don't know what I thought technology was available, but I just thought they were like, oh, this bitch is trying to let people watch Breaking Bonaducci. Canceled. I, I'm shocked it's still up. So make sure that if you haven't, if you haven't, if you aren't watching the show, you've got to watch the show. Okay. Make sure you go. The, the link is in the show notes. Um, I mean, if you don't want to watch the show, you don't have to, but I'm just saying some of the stuff I'm describing, you need to see, you need to see it. Okay. I want to the episode leaving Los Angeles. Um, we start out with Danny driving while producers are asking him about the Viking and his, he's taking, he got them from his dentist. And that's interesting because I would have thought he got them from the, for his hand. But then I remembered that like, he told them that he already had Vicodin. So he didn't need like Tylenol three or whatever the fuck they were giving him. Um, it says for him to take them every four to six hours or as needed. And he says he's right on track if it was six or seven days from now. This is one of those things where he's doing his bit into the camera. And if you don't know what's happening, you can mistake this for charming, right? He's like, he's funny, but he's telling you a truth. And that is, I am taking these pills like way too many of these fucking pills. And you can really get like lost in that. Mitch Gretchen loved that when she first met him. I know I fixate on the smoking, but as he's talking, he's got one hand hanging out of the window. So he flicks cigarette ash into the street. And can you believe people used to drive like that all the time? Like people used to literally drive and just smoke cigarettes in a car. I can't, I can't believe I was alive when people were doing stuff like that. The next shot is Danny shotgunning some drinks that are not shots. They look like full fucking drinks. He's like, like, I'm imagining him at like one of those, um, I don't know, one of those chain restaurants, maybe a Chili's or something, where they give you one of those fishbowl drinks and just like, just like shotgunning that too. It's like he cannot wait to get the alcohol in his system. As he's leaving the bar, producers are asking him to drive home. Like they're asking him like, we can drive you home. You're not okay to drive, right? And he's like, He's slurring, he's fucked up. And he's like, I am not okay to drive and no, you can't drive me and get the fuck away from me. And he tries to drive off. He's not even like, I think he can't even, I think he can't even maneuver the car. We see footage of a producer telling a cameraman to stop filming and to help him get the keys from him. Which is, when I was watching that, like, again, I think I said this before, but I'm thinking a lot about the fact that this is not the show they thought they were getting. I don't think they thought they were going to give this show. I don't even know if Danny thought he was going to give them this type of show. I think he was going to, I think he thought they were going to talk about, about whether or not having sex. I think he thought he was going to get a lot of scenes with his kids. I don't think he thought they'd be filming him drunk driving. And I think him and Gretchen, maybe they'd been to therapy before, but they hadn't started with Dr. Gary. And he was not, I don't think he thought Gretchen was going to take this as seriously. So, he thought they'd go in there and talk about a fight they had about whether he could fuck her in the ass. And that, like, I, he didn't think this was gonna happen. And I wish, the thing that I'm attracted to the most of this show is that we're getting shit like this. That this is like real. 
And I'm sure there's a lot of stuff we didn't see. I'm sure there's a lot of setups and things. Like, it's as real. It's like reality TV can only be so fucking real. But like, imagine if you were watching like Team Mom and you got up, you got, and you got this. Yes, Team Mom OG broke the fourth wall. But imagine if we could go back to when Janelle was fighting with Tori and she was hitting her with those drumsticks and and Kiefer and her and Tori's boyfriend were also fighting in the same room and we could actually see and hear production like being like, should we get the drumsticks from him or should we just let this happen? Like, I wish that we could go back for stuff like that. I love if somebody, if a producer who worked on MTV shows like Teen Mom and X on the Beach and Real World those are different production companies. I understand that. But I, I would love if somebody who worked with a production company, did a lot of stuff in the early aughts and, and, and team and like uh, MTV, if they would write a book and tell us like what it was really like to be in some of these, these scenes, what, what it was really like to be in the room, like on Real World Vegas, when Trishel, a man I forget and a girl I forget, she looked a little bit like an alien, I remember that, were having a threesome in the hot tub. There's a producer, I think they're like, they're still having handheld count, um, cameras in there. So if there's not a producer in the room, he's in the control room in the, in the place. So there's like a producer and two camera people in there. And I want to know what the camera guy's hearing in his ear from, from the control room as they're like, wait. Are they, are they about to, because they hadn't filmed anything like this. I want to know like what that was like. And I'd love, like that's, the, there's a great podcast. I've mentioned it before. It's called Executive Producer. They don't do a lot of episodes, but they do talk to a lot of executive producers and talk about how things get made. They recently did um, uh, Ms. and Mrs., which is Mike, um, Ms., uh, Minzanin, I think his last name is. He's a WWE guy, but he got his start on TV at, on the real world, New York, when they went back to New York with, um, and he did a lot of like challenges and stuff. And he talked a bit about that, um, who he was when he got on the show and to his credit, because listen, the WWE is a cesspool of the type of people who want to be in that organization scare me like Mark Wahlberg does. Um, there's a lot of crazy shit that happens, the type of people it attracts. But, so I don't have a lot of like, I don't, the bar is not set for me for the, for Miz, it's not. But he, to his credit, he talked articulately about the, about the fact that he was like a Michigan guy, a frat guy, like the way he grew up around no white people. He showed up on the real world, said the wrong thing, did the wrong thing, constantly, constantly, like he would be like, every time I open my mouth, people would be looking at me like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And he talked about what that's like and how you can choose two ways. You could either be like, they're all wrong, I'm right, and you can take that personally, or you could be like, no, I don't know, I don't know anything about Black History Month. You can ask, you can ask questions and you can look at he says he he says he played a few of the tapes for his wife and she is just like I can't even believe you were that person. I I loved his insight about working on Real World and what it and the path afterwards, what he did afterwards. So anyway, I'm off on a tangent, whatever.
It's late. This is the name of the fucking show. Off on a tangent. So next we see Gretchen driving her minivan. I want a minivan. <laughs> I want a minivan. I have a lot of fucking kids. I like a lot of cup holders. And why do car manufacturers not factor in where the fuck you're going to put your purse? Like, if everybody's in my car and I'm driving, where's my purse supposed to go? There's never a good place. But minivans are like built for like hauling a bunch of people and that's what I need. My husband's against it because he wants to be able to drive my car at any time. And he's not going to drive a minivan, which makes me want to get a minivan. It really does. So Gretchen's talking about how close Isabella is with her dad and how if the marriage breaks up, she will blame Gretchen. Yeah, because daddy's girl. I just saw a tweet. I retweeted it about how a woman was talking about she was a daddy's girl when she was younger. She's realizing more and more, especially as she becomes a mom, that the reason she was is because her mother did the heavy lifting of parenting her and she was punishing her mom for it. So yeah, you love your dad because you didn't see him all day and he wasn't the one that told you you couldn't, I don't know, wear your hair like that or eat or eat candy all day. Like, yeah, sure, your dad shows up and he does say those things. He does agree with your mom, but he doesn't have to be the one that says no all the time. And I found myself in that. I used to love my dad so hard. I mean, I still love him. You'll see, if you follow me on my Instagram, you'll see he texts me stuff like, um, how proud he is of me when the, all I've done is gotten up and taken a shit with that day. He like, and how I'm a wonderful daughter. And so he's like, he's a really great guy and he's a really loving person. That said, he was in the military. He was gone a lot and he didn't have to do the things my mom had to do. And I was punishing her. I elevated him to saint status because he wasn't even there. And keep in mind when he was there, he had so many rules that, that, I didn't have with my mom. My mom didn't care what time I went to bed. My mom was like, she had to go in your room and shut the fuck up time. She didn't care. You could stay in there up all night if you wanted to when you were six years old, as long as you didn't make any noise. And my dad would be like, no, you have to turn this TV off and go to sleep. Like he had even more rules, but he wasn't there enough for me to be, for me to be upset with him. And this is one of those things is that Isabella has elevated her dad to a certain status. And it's Gretchen's fault too, because I'm sure when he's not there, they're talking about daddy and how much they miss him and blah, blah, blah. Because that's what you do when you're a parent, you're talking about the other parent. Um, when he's not there, you do want those kids to know he loves them. But also he never has to say no to you. And even if he says no, it's to the point, it's usually escalated to a certain point that like you don't even hold it against him because you've been fighting with your mom for a day and a half. So him, the fact that he showed up and said no too is inconsequential at this point. Yeah, like that tweet, like we need to sell that shit in. I'm like really close with my mom now, but at the time I was like, what does she know? And then my dad would show up and be like, no, you really should do that. And I'd be like, oh, okay, fine. Like, <laughs> I was such a bitch. Isabella just know Oh, and also keep this in mind. When they do break up, Danny will never be the one that's going to be like, yeah, we had that, that wasn't a good relationship that, you know, we had to break up. He's going to be like, I just wanted to be with your mom. I loved him. I loved him. I loved her. I wanted to be with her. And she didn't want to be with me. So yeah, she is going to fucking blame Gretchen. I'd be curious to see what Isabella's relationship is like with her mother now. I bet you they are not close at all. She's still very close to Danny. And she's still like, I bet she says things like, well, at least he sells the truth. Because, I don't know, 
Gretchen went on a date one time and didn't tell her about it. But, but Danny was honest about smoking crack in the bathroom at her quinceanera. I don't know. She's not going to have a quinceanera. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Um, Isabel just knows that Danny is not trying to drink and she prays they won't get a divorce, but she thinks it's going to happen anyway. That's entirely too much parentification for her a child her age, but I can understand why she's that way. Gretchen is in therapy and she's realizing that Danny, so at this point, Gretchen has realized Danny's been doing prescription pills. He's drinking and he's doing the steroids. Dr. G is asking, Dr. Gary is asking about the kids and Gretchen is saying that Isabel the night before was like trying to get her to tell her dad that she loves him and she'll never leave him. Please, mommy, please, bad things will happen. We can fix this together. I can fix this. Mommy, just tell him you love him. And Gretchen doesn't want to tell her that because she doesn't know if it's true. And it's heartbreaking. And Dr. Gary, who I have praised in the past for his ability to listen to them say crazy shit and just be like, oh, it's okay. Dr. Gary is like, this is very disturbing. And I'm like, no, Dr. Gary, your heart is breaking. This is terrible. It's at this point I was like, this is kind of depressing. And whatever show I choose for the next season of Buy Pumpkin... I'm going to make sure that it's not. <laughs> like, I really love talking about this show. I love how gritty it is. It feels real to me. But scenes like this are hard to um, watch. You know? So Dr. Gary tells Gretchen that he will talk to Danny. And he wants her to tell Isabel that no one's getting divorced right now. They don't know what's going to happen in the future. And that they will always take care of her. I personally wouldn't tell Isabel that. Like, that's a great thing to tell Isabel if she, Isabella if she's, like, appropriately knowledge about your relationship for her age. She's not. She knows entirely too much about your relationship. And that is the exact opposite of what is true. And she's going to feel incredibly hurt and betrayed when you guys do get a divorce. I... My editor just gave me an assignment. Okay, 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 okay. I'll do it, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <sighs> work. <laughs> um, I like, I wouldn't talk to Isabel about my marital problems in either in any significant way. Um, I think I would be very clear. Like, it's hard to go back, okay? I think it would be very clear that, like, what me and daddy are doing is what me and daddy are doing. And the most important part is that we're going to take care of you. I get that. But I would not say I'm not going to get a divorce. It's not true. And I'd probably take her to fucking therapy. She needs to be in therapy weekly. She needs to be working through this shit. Like, you will never be able to tell her that Danny Bonaducci traumatized her and put her in a space that a child should never be. He will never be able to tell her that. Because she's elevated him to this status. That's something she's got to work out herself. I remember the first time my therapist and I talked about my personality. I like things the way I like them. I worry a lot. I like to stay busy. I, I would say I'm a type A personality for the most part. And, and like I'm just all up into people's business. I'm nosy all the time. I'm like when I walk in my house... I know if you move something in here. One time I came in the house and my husband had moved the furniture and put new Glade plugins in that were not the scent I picked out for this house. 
I was devastated for the rest of the day. I did not feel safe in my own home. That's control issues. And I was like, oh, this is just who I am. And the first time that we talked about things in a way that, and she kind of introduced me to the idea that no, it's not the way I am. I'm like this because of the experience, what I was taught, plus the experiences I've been through. And this is the way I've reacted to it. Not everybody reacts to experiences and trauma the same way. This is how I reacted to it. That the that when I walk in a room and look at everyone's faces, like the first thing I always say when I walk in the house is, what happened? What's, everybody, what's going on? You okay? You good? What's wrong? Like that is me being hypervigilant because I had to be. Because I was, because I was placed in positions where I needed to be in charge and I needed, and I felt like I need to take care of things. And if I had been in not those positions, if I had not done those, if I had not had those things happen to me, I might be someone who walks in a room, not saying this definite, but I might be someone who walks in a room without having to notice where every little, where everyone is sitting, where everything is, who's that, what they're doing. I, I wouldn't have to do that because I wouldn't be trying to protect myself from this bad thing that's going to happen to me. I wouldn't worry all the time trying to protect myself from a bad thing that's going to happen to me. And the first time that like our conversation led her to tell me something like that and like not her just like walking and being like, this is why you're like this. We really were talking and like we were like working it out together. And I obviously she knew where she wanted to lead me, but it's, but I was able to like come to it on my own. I... I had a really hard night that night. Like those realizations are fucking hard. My mom actually, I was talking to her on the phone the other day and she told me that uh, she wishes she was a better parent and she wishes she was the type of parent I am now. And that if she could go back, she would probably spend more time with her kids. She would worry less about working. She would worry less about things working out just right. And she would spend less time like worrying about people who weren't in our family. And I was like really grateful for that. But then I also was like, oh, anytime you want to go over the list of mistakes you've made, I've got a list right here. We can compare them. And she laughed and everything. But it was nice to hear that. And I think it's really good. I think the difference between, I think what's helped me a lot is that like, and I don't really like, I don't have like a lot of anger towards my parents. And, you know, maybe I'll do a Princess Diaries about my parents one day so I can like, give you like more like background and shit. I don't have a lot of anger towards them about things that happened when I was younger because my parents don't, if I talk to them about something, they don't say things like, that never happened. That never happened. Well, you don't know because I was, my parents are like, a lot of times they don't remember things. Things that were significant to me don't even, weren't even, don't even matter in their memory. Not because they're old, but because they were like, that didn't, that wasn't significant to them. They'll be like, that happened? Why would I do that? And I'll, and I'll say it. And then they'll go, oh God, I'm so sorry. Like they're quick to be like, that's not how you, that's not how we do it now. She's, that's not how, that's not how I should have handled it then. That's not how I'll do it now. Wow. <laughs> like they're, so I don't get a lot of pushback when I talk about things. And I think that's why I'm, I have such a good relationship with them. If I didn't, if I was like, hey, you were 20 when you had me and like a complete fucking idiot and you named a cat after me and the cat killed itself. I talked about that in my bonus episode. Go listen to it. Like, and like didn't shield me from that in any way. Like, why would you even name a cat after me? 
and I was like a toddler and also I don't know that cat killed itself <laughs> like like <coughs> and their response was like get over it bitch it was a long time ago I um I probably wouldn't be as close as, with, as, far as I am now Gretchen's also like she's wondering how Danny got into this place what is making him so unhappy is it her is it would he be happy would, would someone else make him happier and he wouldn't have all these problems and Dr. Gary rightfully tells her that alcoholism isn't about being happy or not being happy and it's not like if Gretchen made Danny so happy he'd never drink again that's not how alcoholism works um he says they should stop trying to guess the future and that they should let it be a blank canvas take it one day at a time and he will you know he'll be there for her as they take it one day at a time um so remember, Dr. Gary's supposed to talk to Danny in a solo session. He didn't let the session be filmed. And he, he citing the, the, so we get the, the message on the screen. It says he didn't let it be filmed citing ethical ramifications. And I'm just guessing that Dr. Gary felt like if that session was filmed, Danny would be too busy performing for all the people in the room to take it seriously. And I think he basically gave him an ultimatum and was like, an ultimatum um, about the show, about the drinking. I think he, he said all that in there. And so we don't see the session, but afterwards, Dr. Gary says he's not going to work with Danny until he receives treatment for drug and alcohol abuse. So next we see Danny at work and he looks fucking terrible. He looks like there's a lot going on. He barely, he looks like he's barely holding together. He looks like me that time I had to teach an alcohol awareness class at a restaurant the day after my birthday party. And I threw up in the middle of it. Like his face, I had like a really wild birthday party, like a really wild joint birthday party the night before. A lot of crazy things happened. My husband got so drunk. Was I married at that time? I was either about to get married or already married. My husband got so fucking drunk and we got into a big fight and he stood on this table to profess his love for me and the table broke. Like for some reason I was wet, like, like, I, was I sprayed with liquor? I don't know. And then as we left for Cardin, I was, it was a terrible thing. And then I had to go in at 7 a.m. to the bar I was I was managing and teaching alcohol awareness class to some waitresses. And I'm just like talking about alcohol and doing all these different things and just like, hold on one second. And I turn, over, turn around and throw up in this big trash can and then like dot the corners of my mouth and like, so like I was saying, like, but Danny looks face looks like my face when I showed up for it. <laughs> he looks like he's gonna throw up. Um, his uh, co-host says he looks good. They're liars. <laughs> and Danny says theoretically he should feel good, but he doesn't. And he ends up apologizing because he said that one of the co one of the um, co-hosts asked him about drinking previously and he lied and the guy was like yeah but then yesterday you were kind of this past week you were drunk with me and he's like yeah but I was pretending like that was the first time and I gotta say Danny's a great apologizer he's excellent apologizing what people make the mistake about apologizing is that they do not tell the truth Danny will look you in the eyes and say this is the thing I did to you I shouldn't have done that um that was wrong 
Now, he's not so good at the next part, which is like not doing it anymore because that's the best apology. But a lot of times when people apologize to you, especially if they don't really want to apologize to you in the first fucking place, they kind of like skip over what they did to you and like how you were affected. They're just like, my bad girl. But Danny's very much like, I'm a stinking drunk and I did that thing to you and that was really fucked up and if I can make it up to you, I will. And like he's, he, he, he talks the talk, I'll tell you that. So Danny announces he's going to rehab on Monday. He's on the phone at home talking to the rehab center. They wanna know what kind of obstacles they're gonna be dealing with. So they're like, yeah, um, do you do this, do you do that? And basically he's got a sex addiction, a bipolar disorder for which he takes meds, anxiety and depression, anxiety attacks, basically everything. And this is one of those things we need to remember because, you know, I have some new placements that um, when they got here, we're like, we need our medicine and we haven't had our medicine in a very long time. And like, even the caseworkers like, get them their medicine. They need their medicine. Like, for a lot of things, medicine, I'm, I'm not someone who's against medicine, okay? Um, I'm, I believe in the power of pharmaceuticals. That said, like, especially for mental health, medicine's only part of it. If we could take a pill and everything would be okay, then none of us could afford that pill. It'd be very expensive. It's just not, like, it's just not the pill. Like, even if you, and here I am talking on my ass again, but I know a bit about bipolar disorder. And even if you do take meds for it, you still need some complimentary therapy with it. You need some complimentary support with this. Like, you can't just take a couple of meds and then everything's fine. Or maybe you can, but you have to work to get to that. You know what I'm saying? Um, anxiety and depression, same thing. You can take as many anxiety meds, as many depression meds as you want, and they will help you get to a certain place. They will not replace working through those issues of why you have those things, what triggers you, how you can, um, how you can handle those triggers, how you can handle when you feel them coming. Like you've got to do the, you've got to do the work. Babies, you've got to do the work, okay? As Ms. Um, Ayama Rhonda Van Zant says, you've got to do the work. Um, so then Danny goes to get a tattoo to get the date of his first date of sobriety. Uh, it's hard finding the right day because he's going to rehab and he's not gonna go in sober. And so he's trying to figure out when will he be sober? You know, he's talking to, it's Atomic Tattoo, which is probably like a famous place it's probably been on a tattoo show that I didn't watch. Uh, <laughs> um, but he's talking to the guy who's gonna give him a tattoo and he goes, yeah, you like you fucked up a lot. Like basically like, you like a dirt bag. This is happening to you, right? It, I don't know, it's weird. <laughs> I just was like, you don't know this guy. You just show up and be like, you seem like a dirt bag. <laughs> you seem like you've ruined your life. Let's talk about it. it. It was weird. Um, meanwhile, Gretchen is out with friends and they're nervous about talking to her, her about her problems. They don't want to say things on camera because Danny would get mad. I bet they've seen and heard Danny doing some weird ass shit. I bet some weird, scary shit. Personally, I probably have to let Gretchen go as a friend. I... Not because I wouldn't want to be like helping her. Not because I didn't think she needed to. She needed that stuff, you know. Not because I wouldn't be like wanting to support her and everything, but because I bet Danny does something crazy, like put his head through a fucking window, 
And then Gretchen calls you and is like, I'm scared. I'm scared for the kids. This is the end. I'm not doing this anymore. And you're like, come over here. Yeah, you've got to leave him. Blase, blase, blue, bloop. You're doing all the stuff. You're like trying, you're talking to your husband to make sure that her and her kids can stay there for as long as they need. You're like trying to find resources for her. You're like doing all the stuff. Um, she doesn't come. She stays with Danny. He finds out that you told her that. And then he's like, they're not your friends. He calls you up to be like, I got a real fucking problem with you telling my wife to leave me. You know what, bitch? You need to, like, I can imagine he is a terrorist. And that you want to be there for Gretchen. But Gretchen keeps, like, backsliding and going back with him. Keep in mind, people in abusive relationships. Not that I'm saying that Danny beat up Gretchen in any way. Physical is not the only abuse you can have. Like... I sometimes jokingly call myself the emotional terrorist of our fa- of my relationship because I have all these thoughts and feelings and all these things happening. And sometimes I go through a whole cycle of a fight by myself. My husband is not even participating. He is just like, there's been times when I've, when I've like started a fight, did the middle while he was trying to agree with me and promising me he was not like, he's like, yeah, princess, I agree with you. I'm like, mm, doesn't seem like you're agreeing with me. <laughs> like really? Started the fight, did the argument with myself, argued my side, argued his side, finished the fight, and then tried to get him to apologize to me for the fight. Like, I'm not saying I'm easy to be with. My husband doesn't know what over-the-counter medicine is, but I'm not saying I'm some walk in a fucking park. I I know what that is, okay? I, I, I can be a lot too. But I feel like Gretchen and Danny go through these fight cycles and end up back together and then end up like everything is fine. Um, And while I call myself, like I often jokingly call myself an emotional terrorist, I think Danny can really be an emotional terrorist. I think he can really be someone who is mentally abusing you, verbally abusing you, but also somehow making your fault. Also the type of person that treats you badly and then when you try to leave, like cuts his wrists in front of you like that scene in the fucking craft where Nancy just like <laughs> uses a, you can't see me doing it, but he uses like this huge knife to just cut, um, I forget her name, Robin Tooney's uh, wrist, like just like, oh, you're not gonna be here? Ha! <laughs> Blood's everywhere. Like that is an emotional fucking terrorist. And like, I can see that being a roller coaster you don't want to be on. It starts to affect your own family, your own life. You get your own anxiety problems based on it. You keep thinking someone's going to call you and tell you that Danny drove off a bridge with Gretchen and the kids in the back. Like, it's really hard. And I could see myself saying to Gretchen, I know it's hard to leave these situations. I really do. I, I have some empathy for that. I was in an abusive relationship for a really long time. Maybe I'll do that in one of my Princess Diaries. I've got some horrific stories from that. Not horrific in that, like, you guys are going to be crying, but, like, you're going to be like, princess, princess. <laughs> like, fortunately, I was very young, and I haven't had to deal with that again. But I know it's hard to leave that type of relationship. You don't always make it on your first try or on your 10th try. But I'd say, Gretchen, I can't have Danny disrupting my world like this, too. So if you do leave him, if you're ready to, if you, if you need somewhere to go, you know where I am. If you need a ride, you call me, girl. If you need like 
anything like that, call me. But if you're going to stay with Danny and we're going to have to have the same conversation every Friday night, I can't do that. I'm, I'm not, I've, I'd have to promise I wouldn't change my number. I have to be like, get me on Facebook. I promise I won't deactivate. Oh, knowing me, I'd disappear. But you understand what I'm trying to say here. I'm like, DM me. <laughs> I'm like, contact me when you're ready for this part because I can't do that other part with you. Um, it, it's probably like, it's probably like maddening. So Gretchen's back at therapy with Dr. G and she's saying that Danny will never, has never had anyone say no to him. And they're talking about it like he's, like he is, um, they're talking about it like he's Justin Bieber, right? Like he's, like he's still a famous person with a lot of money. I don't think that's true. I think Danny did have an incredible amount of privilege and an incredible amount of like yes manning him when he was younger and he was a a child star. And I mean, he ate out on being in the Partridge family for a long, long, long time. I, I can believe that. But Danny was also a teenage actor that couldn't get work because he was going through an awkward stage. He was also a homeless man, a homeless drug addict. I mean, he slept on near a dumpster. He, he knows what no sounds like. That's not what it is. I don't know that Danny wouldn't be like this if he was a car salesman in Wisconsin. He might have the exact same fucking personality. Um, Anyway, Dr. Gary is saying that if Danny wanted to live like James Dean, then you don't get married, you don't have kids, and you use yourself up and you die young. But he didn't do that, and now he has to show up and grow up, which I love, and I'm going to use the next time me and my husband are fighting over the last ring ding. I'm going to be like, show up and grow up and give me the fucking ring ding because you know it belongs to me. So <laughs> Danny's talking to the executive producers about how he's put himself in a bad position. So he's back in the house now. And he's saying the exact same thing that I said, that basically he didn't know this is what he was going to get, and the show is showing him in a terrible light. And he's, and he's being very coherent. He's like, I know you guys are doing your jobs. And I know you're like, you want to get this stuff. But like, I got to worry about what's going to happen to future work and a future radio career. And he says, if it turns out badly, he's going to be the great unwashed, which I think means he's going to be unemployable. He says that Gretchen is his life and he has to be able to take care of her at the end of this. Um which is the type of thing people eat up all the time. But I would be like, if you're, if I'm your life, like one person can't make another person happy. And him going to rehab, he's going to rehab to keep her. People go to rehab all the time. They don't want to go to rehab. They go to, they might go to jail. They're going to go to rehab because their family's going to make them. Their wife's going to leave them, whatever. But he thinks that if he goes to rehab, he's going to make her happy. And you can't make other people happy. It's entirely possible that Gret, that, that um, Danny could have gone to rehab, gotten completely sober, gotten back on track, work on a program, great resources, like head on straight, determined to stay, like as determined to keep his sobriety as, as he could be. My mom always tells me her sobriety is more important than anybody in her life. And she doesn't say that to be mean. And she's been sober for a really, really long time. Like, like gosh, decades. But um, she says that as much as she loves me and how she tells me how important I am to her, but she, all, but she says, but I place my sobriety above that. Like I place my sobriety over my relationship with your father. I 
It's above everything. I If it's not good for my sobriety, I can't have it. And that's an attitude that a lot of people have in recovery. Um, and uh, it could be completely possible that Danny could get to that position in his life and, and this relationship do, does not work out because it never was going to work out. And him being sober doesn't make the relationship good. It's a separate thing. Him being sober does have an effect on the relationship, but that relationship is separate from her sobriety. And I don't think they've realized that in any way. I think a lot of people would think this is really romantic being like this guy's security blanket. But I don't see it that way. And I think those people that think it's romantic are the same people that think A Star is Born is a love story. But I know it's a horror story and Jackson Maine is the villain. So Danny's telling the kids he's going to be gone for a month. Dante's a toddler. He's basically a toddler. He says he, it's because daddy drinks too much. And yeah, because this is all you guys talk about in front of them. He's probably also seen it. Danny tells Isabella that nothing terrible has happened yet, but it's going, but he feels it coming and he wants to cut it off at the past, which is not true. A lot of terrible things have happened. Like you just tried to kill yourself. Um, I call bullshit on his, my relationship is true with my, I have a true for relationship with my kid. Uh, he, you tell her what you, what you want it to look like. You tell her bad things. And you think that's telling the truth. I think if you told her the truth, you'd say, you know, this is, I think if you told her the truth, you tell her, Isabella, I don't want you to ask your mother to say that she loves me because this, it's like none of your business. What you need to know is that we love you. And I'm sorry that we, we haven't been as careful about keeping our stuff between us like we should have, but I'm, we're going to try better. That's a truthful statement. Nothing, nothing bad has happened yet. And we're just trying to make sure it doesn't is not a truthful statement. Um, she says it's not his fault. And he says it is, which is true. And this is what I mean by like, so Danny's a great truth teller. I mean, he's a great liar, but he's also a great truth teller in telling you what a shitbag he is. But I bet you, Isabella, like you can't, even Danny can't tell her that the fact that, they're, that their marriage is breaking up has a lot to do with Danny, more to do with Danny than does with Gretchen. Like, she's not going to believe that. She's got to, she's got to figure it out herself. She's got to look at the clues and, and do the analysis herself. She, you can't tell her that. Um, cause she won't believe you. So the kids, I guess, go off with a babysitter who's got a eclipse. Guys, every time I see an Amber Alert, it's in an eclipse. Is that happening to you too? Like, I feel like every time some baby, some baby's missing, somebody's baby is missing. Then I took him in a eclipse. I got real Southern right there. Um, <laughs> one of the kids go off with the babysitter in the eclipse, which makes me nervous because all the Amber Alerts include <laughs> eclipse. Danny and Gretchen go off to rehab. Danny's saying she has a lump in her throat and she feels like she's choking. I mean, Gretchen says she has a lump in her throat and she feels like she's choking. And Danny's saying they don't have to do this. He could just go home. And she's like, yes, mm, <laughs> we do. And so they get to rehab and they do the intake questions. The intake person talks about, says some good shit about addiction and codependency. But like, dude, Danny knows all this. Danny is probably an expert on rehab. Danny could probably run a rehab. I, I mean, I know they got to say what they got to say, but I'm just like, you talking to a vet right there, man. 
<laughs> he knows. This is this guy has been here, done that. Apparently, Danny's smoking three packs of cigarettes a day and has a nasty cough. His hands still working. He's in bad shape. He looks terrible. At one point, Danny tells the psychiatrist that's there that he likes his melon jacket. And now listen, I noticed this fucking jacket before Danny pointed it out. This guy, it's um, I believe he's South Asian. Um and um yeah, I think he's South Asian and he's got like this this bright melon color. And when I say melon, I hope you know what the fuck I'm talking about. It's like a pink color, but it's not like dead on pink. It is definitely the color of your grandma's Easter dress. It is definitely that color. It's a definitely the mother of the bride's dress at a Southern wedding. Wedding. It is, it just, it looked out of place to me. I was just like, what is he, what's he wearing? Oh, did he know he was going to be on TV? And as soon as Danny points it out, the psychiatrist says, well, I was told they might take pictures, so why not look nice? And I immediately was like, they're not getting anything out of this rehab. They're not getting anything out of this rehab. I do not like rehab facilities where it looks like people are on, people really want to be, really, really want to be on TV. I didn't like it on Celebrity Rehab. I don't like, I didn't like it at Dean's Rehab on um, True Toy. I don't like that shit. I, I love a rehab facility where, so, where someone's like, well, we have a famous person coming in and he's doing a reality TV show and we'd like to do the intake part. And they're like, if it gets them to come, fine, blur out my fucking face. <laughs> like that's, that, I, someone who does that, I'm like, oh, this bitch is serious. This bitch is like, I'm not here for these fucking games. I'm not putting on a melon <laughs> blazer so I can look nice on the TV. No, I'm not doing that. And when he said take pictures, did he make paparazzi? Did he think that they were going to take a picture for the wall, the rehab? That Danny was going to be signing? I don't fucking know. I don't fucking know. I didn't like it, though. I didn't fucking like it. <sighs> so, I mean, we're nearing the end of the show. Gretchen tells Dr. Gary, because she's in her session now, that this is it. That if this doesn't take, she's leaving it. And I'm sure she said that before. I'm not trying to doubt her. I'm not trying to be like, well, she's never going to leave him. And blah, 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 blah. I'm not trying to do all that shit. But I am saying that, because I'm not judging her. I'm not judging her. It takes, sometimes that first thing doesn't stick, babe. But in Gretchen's situation, in many people's situation that are in this particular situation, how many times can I fucking say situation? I'd have to see you do it. I'd have to, I, and I'd be cautiously optimistic throughout the whole thing, but my my expectations would be on the ground. I would not get my hopes up. My hopes would be lying on the floor. You have to step over them to get out of the room. That's where my hopes would be. No, nowhere near up. Because it's too easy to go back. It really is. Um, and then they give us Danny watching her drive off from the the rehab facility with generic rock music plays and he's just in the driveway looking at her like there goes the love of my life people want to be loved like that especially i find like people who really romanticize relationships want to be loved like they want someone to look out from the rehab and just be like all i want is you and i'm not saying i haven't ever been stupid but dude 
dude, that's not what you want. You don't want that. You want that person to come home from their job that gainfully employs them and helps cover the bills so that you guys can eat every night and say, hey, I missed you at work. Hey, let me do some emotionally healthy sharing with you right now. You don't want anybody looking out a window of rehab at you. <laughs> ever, ever. <laughs> it's a, I'm not saying that you should leave. If, if someone's listening to this and they've, or they've loved somebody with an addiction problem, then they're like, well, Princess is saying I should just get out of here. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's not the ideal situation. It's not what you're looking for. It's not the story you should write for yourself, Okay. So that's the end. Next week, Danny is ready to leave rehab. And I bet it's been two days. <laughs> Everybody's ready. I think like, especially somebody like a Danny who, um, who uh, knows the ins and outs of rehab very well. I bet all the commotion of, of announcing you're going to rehab and she's taking you there and dropping you. I bet you all of that, once that settles down, once you're in there, like a, two days, three days, maybe in a week for some people, you're like, oh shit, I committed to being here for 30 days or however many days or, you know. And then you start to get uncomfortable, right? Because rehab's uncomfortable. Unless, you know, you're one of those people that's institutionalized that you just like want to be in places like that. But for most people, it's uncomfortable, especially once you're not getting the drug of your choice um, or once you're sobering up and you have to deal with all that. Um, other people may be using, it's not a fucking prison. Like people can probably bring shit in if they want. Um, yeah, so I bet he's gotten to that point. He's like, well, I came here. I told her I'd come here and now I'm here. Now I'm ready to go home. And so I think next week he's just basically trying to convince Gretchen to let him come home and she doesn't want him to. Also, we get to meet his mom. And I'm curious to see what his mom's like. Is his mom a Gretchen type? Is he following in his father's footsteps? You know, remember his father was an anger, uh, angerholic and he, a rageaholic, excuse me. And he yelled a lot and he, if he didn't get his way, you know, that's one guy you didn't want to get mad and blah, blah, blah. And Danny can be that way. It's, it's essentially a bully. And by the way, guys, remember that like aggro guy I talked to you, I told you guys about? Do you guys remember that like walks his kid to school every day, crosses in the middle of the fucking jaywalks, flips people off, stands in the middle of the road, screaming 20 miles an hour and all that shit? Yo, I saw him at the Black History Month pageant or whatever the fuck that was. And he's just sitting there clapping along over We Shall Overcome. Ah! Ah! <laughs> uh. Anyway, next week, guys, um, make sure you go check out those bonus episodes.